0: You're listening to Fun Shack. I'm Ross Butler, and today I'm talking with David Ewing, a managing partner at ECI Partners, a leading buyout firm and one of the oldest private equity firms in the UK. David has led a number of pioneering deals, including the first ever UK buyout of a native digital business, laterooms.com, and the first ever UK buyout of a native SaaS business, fourth. David, I brought something along. I don't know if you recognise oh, this. Oh, yes. shit! Yeah, No, no, I
1: remember that from back in the day, yeah. So for our listening-only yeah. audience,
0: yeah. uh, it's um, uh, August 2005 edition of Real Deals. When I was editor and on the front, David is with a couple of ECI colleagues and this, the then CEO of Late Rooms. That's great. Which yeah, you yeah. just, or well, maybe about a year before, acquired. And that was um, novel enough to, to prompt me on the cover. Because uh, a buyout firm doing a dot-com deal in 2005 was, well, I think it was a first actually, wasn't Well, yeah, it,
1: it was actually 2004. It was December 2004 when we completed the deal, actually, which, you know, and back in the, you know, you know, the, the internet back then was quite a dirty word. You know, we'd definitely been through the dot-com crash, you know, all the venture money had sort of been lost. And yet there was, there was um, a lot of kind of really great businesses around that were kind of Really had disrupted the market, and we're we're kind of moving into that kind of realms where the the realm where private equity became relevant for them. And it was in part it was the kind of making of my early career, not just that deal, but deals like that. And I'm not sure how much of this you know, Ross, but you know, I had quite a an unusual background for private equity. Insofar as I was a software developer, that I was in kind of digital media before I joined uh, the private equity industry. And so I was kind of well-placed to get involved in businesses like Late Rooms. And as you suggest, it was, I mean, I think that was the first ever buyout of a a kind of native digital business uh, in the UK. And uh, it was a super deal for us. And it sort of set out the scene for private equity, doing these kind of digital businesses for, you know, ever since then, really, I suppose.
0: So actually, I don't know that. So how did you get, the, the interesting question is how you got from software to <laughs> private equity? i
1: <laughs> I've still not really worked that out uh, myself. I, I was, I mean, I did uh, a research degree in helicopter simulation in distributed computing platforms, you know, back in the sort of early 90s. I then uh, joined a computer games firm that made uh, flight simulation computer games as a coder. So it's pretty kind of hardcore computing, really, I suppose. The firm I worked for um, was bought and sold a couple of times, and I had convinced them to pay for me to do an executive MBA at Manchester Business School. And as a consequence of these transactions taking place, I got involved in the kind of periphery of those transactions. I had a little bit of, I wouldn't go as far to say deal experience, but kind of deal knowledge, let's say. And Eci uh, at that time was um, you know we we were pretty heavily involved in technology deals even even prior to my involvement because it's the, of the kind of growth focus of, of the business but but there was a, a sort of a view that it would be good to have someone with a sort of stronger technological background rather than a kind of banking or M mm. advisory background to to join the team so I joined um at the sort of beginning of 2001. So 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 it was uh it was kind of after the the kind of dot com crash and you know uh, it took me quite a long time to sort of find my feet in the business and in the industry. I think you know I didn't have the the kind of the mechanics of doing deals were something that I had to learn as someone in my kind of early 30s rather than in my early 20s, mm. uh, which um, which was quite challenging. But at the same time. I did bring something to the party that maybe my colleagues didn't bring to the party with with the not so much technical knowledge but just a sort of just the kind of real life experience I suppose that yeah. that that um most people uh, didn't have so much uh, back in those days.
0: I was surprised at just how negative like the the, the take I had in 2004 on the internet was and it's like oh, yeah, hi- yeah. highly controversial and because this business is uh, you know and, on, and now it's like well, if you weren't in that position, then you wouldn't. That would that would be controversial. The yeah, world's yeah.
1: completely well, I, flipped. I mean, I mean, the, the, I, mean the, I mean, asset light. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's uh, you know, there's no there's no. I remember we we raised a, a little bit of debt for this transaction, and it was kind of like there's there's just some computers in the room, and and that's it. Where's the security? You know, and and uh, you know, I didn't th- I didn't think it was groundbreaking just because I just thought it was a great business, The great business model, and a wonderful market opportunity, and a, a great bunch of guys that were really driven to 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 make stuff happen. Um, but, but coming from, you know, the, the banks that were looking at it or other 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 firms that would be considering it, it was probably quite different to most of the stuff that they were looking at at that time and before then, you know. So, so um, yeah, I probably didn't appreciate at the time that it was quite a groundbreaking deal. And I'm delighted to see that you've just shown the cover photograph and not the inside photograph, <laughs> which I <laughs> seem to remember is we're uh, of us in, in a bed On together. The bed, but the The less said about that, <laughs> the better... <laughs>
0: Uh, and so you've taken that, and I also I actually saw on your website that that I think you you did one of the first software as a service yeah, buyouts yeah, in the UK yeah, as well.
1: Yeah, or certainly. I mean, there's, there's there's I mean that was fourth, uh, which was a, a business which was a sort of native SaaS business that that sold kind of ERP systems into hospitality uh, sector, and and again, I mean, you, you know, that time it was still, I and mean, I mean, the US was was far ahead of the UK at that moment in time. It's nice to so know, but at the, then it was and and. Um, there were very few businesses that were native kind of cloud, you know, single instance uh, businesses. You know, they, they just didn't really exist in in any great volumes in the UK at that time. And uh, fourth, we just sort of thought was a really a really super business. You know, it was uh, it was well run, and uh, they had a wonderful proposition. Uh, and um, a kind of market which, I mean, hospitality as a vertical market was, was pretty interesting, I think, from a software perspective. It was just massively underpenetrated. You know, we just see, from time to time, you see verticals that j- just don't have um, modern technology in them. And there's a wonderful kind of land grab opportunity uh when you see that Do you know i mean some sectors you know manufacturing finance there's been wonderful software solutions in those sectors for forever and a day really you know but hospitality you know retail was another one at the time which were kind of late adopters of kind of modern computing for want of a better phrase and uh and um you know fourth was a was a pretty special business i think you know so we were delighted to get involved in that and uh you know, we did well out of it, but it's continued to do extremely well. I was uh, going to say, how yeah. right were you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think. I mean, the, I mean, the business. I mean, it's gone on, and they've they've kind of. Mm. I mean, it's a much, it's quite a big business in North America now. Yeah. You, you you know, but I mean, that's in part through acquisition, uh, but um, you know, but it's gone on to be a really successful, a really successful business, and that's one of the lovely things about the job. You know, I mean, we 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 get involved in a uh, an important chapter uh, of a business's life. You know, quite often. Even now, the size of deals that we're doing just now, we, we quite often are, are the sort of first institutional shareholder in businesses. There's still a lot of primary uh, primary deals that we do.
0: Roughly what proportion? It's about
1: half and half mm. now. I mean, it's getting, you know, more weighted mm. to, to secondaries. As, it's quite as unusual we for a buyout days. firm yeah. I mean, to do. It's, uh, it's um, but, but um, it, it, it is, yes, I mean, our average deal now is about 150 EVs, so, so, you know, you're you, they're, they're re- relatively big privately owned, properly privately owned businesses, if, you know, family owned businesses or whatever, you know, if, if, but uh, but it still happens. But, um, y- 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 you know, recognising that w- we hopefully are quite an important chapter in a business's development. But if we're doing our jobs properly, I mean, these are businesses that should go on and on to, to, to be successful for many, many years to come. And we've got lots of great examples of that in the portfolio, a number of which have gone on to become sort of, you know, businesses that are transacting at well over a billion, a billion pounds, you know, so, so, so uh, it's great to be involved at our stage, but it's also lovely to see these businesses continue to do well. And often with secondary or tertiary deals as well, you know, the, this sort of private equity is, a, as, is is really, as it matures as an industry, it has, has demonstrating that it can be a, a great ownership model For a long, long time with different sponsors involved at different periods in in that chain, you know, so so as it kind of matures as an asset class, uh, the sort of sophistication uh, of the asset class is coming through, you know, and, and, and that's shining through in some of the example businesses that have gone from a tiny business to a huge business.
0: Have you ever been tempted to, uh, you know, raise one of these continu- continuation funds? I think it is. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it is. It is. You know, certainly one of the features in the market just now, I suppose, as, as you know, is 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 that people are keeping invested uh, in in the same businesses for longer periods of time, and and and, and given the relatively kind of constricting nature of the the ten year LLP Structure, which is the standard structure in the industry, you know, people obviously have explored how do we, you know, if we've got a a business which we think is great with a management team are doing brilliant things, the, the, the last thing we want to do is lose exposure to that completely. Uh, so 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 I mean we've done we've done a few things um, where where I mean most notably I suppose with um, Auction Technology Group that we kind of effectively sold to TA but we reinvested in that business through a different fund, you know, ECI-9 sold it to, to ECI-11 and, and TA. Uh, we also did our sort of first full fund-to-fund transfer in a business called Avantia, which is a kind of machine learning business in insurance, and uh, which we just thought was, it was kind of too good to to lose the exposure to. And and we did, you know, we again moved that from ECI-9 to, to, to ECI-11. Um, but but even at a smaller scale, you know, kind of, you know, reinvesting some of the proceeds you know, alongside an incoming sponsor, you know, that's happening more and more uh, as well, both on for us on the buy side and on the sell side, we're seeing that e- equation both ways. And, um, you, you know, I, I think that's a pretty interesting development in the market. And then we've seen some funds that have had, you know, 15-year exposures to individual businesses through a variety of different funds and sometimes a control position sometimes a, a minority position uh, and then you know working with lps to, to bring them into the structures and stuff like that as well you know so, so i mean the hard the hardest part of our job is finding and getting exposure to the most interesting businesses and so when you've kind of found that it's kind of like well how do we a help this business become bigger and better but also be continue to maintain an exposure to it for a longer period of time well so let's talk about that how you how you
0: originate Deals. I mean, it's it's always been a competitive market. Yeah, it would be yeah. news
1: if you told me it, it wasn't.
0: But, <laughs> but but how are you finding things at the moment?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's uh, you know we've got a, We've got a. I mean, we've benefited, I suppose, from having a dedicated origination team for well over twenty years. And uh, so we've kind of over the pace. We've probably tried and tested, you know, kind of every variant of of what what the art of the possible is, and and you know, sort of distilled that down now. Into into kind of what works for us. So in principle, what we're trying to do is we want to get early and preferred access into the best businesses. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're trying to achieve, I suppose. And we, and we do that in a variety of ways. I mean, we have built our own sort of microservices AI tool, which kind of analyzes you know everything you can imagine and sort of pops up sort of businesses that are going to be quite interesting. So that's one one method. We also um, study the secondary market p- pretty I mean, one of the nice things about secondary markets you, you know transactions are pending there uh you know so when when the bct funds the smaller buyout funds and and even our direct competitors are doing deals you know we will you know monitor these businesses pretty carefully and make sure we're speaking to all of the relevant people around those transactions the management teams and indeed the incoming sponsors and um we also obviously stick pretty close to the advisory community you, you know i mean it is it is a, a there's a lot of i mean the advisory community is is very sophisticated within the uk market and ever getting ever more sophisticated in terms of the the certain niches that they're kind of finding and the the knowledge of the advisory communities is really excellent as well you know so so we've got this kind of multifaceted approach which um means that we 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 effectively look at the entirety of the mid-market. Yeah. Yeah, it's is, very, very rare that we miss an opportunity.
0: Is it good that the advisors yeah. are getting so good? Because doesn't it mean that it's less likely yeah. that you're going to uncover something? Like-
1: Uncovering something is great because we, and we do, we we have a real success at doing bilateral deals, mm. but they, they are as difficult as sort mm. of mm. sort of managed processes as, as well. I mean, partly there's, there's typically more discovery involved uh, in these processes as, as you can imagine um but also you've constantly it's not i mean we 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 are paying the same high prices for the bilateral deals as we're paying for the the kind of auctioned processes that we are. you know it's not it's not cheaper the the um because you 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 don't have someone that has cast that kind of critical eye over the business and identified what the potential issues are and at least constructed begun the construction of a solution to those things that the advisory community does. You know, quite often they're, they're kind of harder deals to pull off. Um, but uh, but I mean for us, it's, you know, we know we're we're gonna have to you know to to win a deal in, in a competitive market, you know, we've got to get the economics right. So we've got to pay the highest price, it's the best deal to the management team. It's, you know, everything, all the detail that goes along with that. We also need to be the most deliverable party. You know, so we need to be able to transact quickly with minimal conditionality if there's any exclusivity, which is even that's quite rare in the marketplace that we have. And then thirdly, and really importantly, we've got to convince the decision makers be that the, the owners the management team that we are going to be the best party f- for this business going forward we can provide the most help and support you know so, so kind of winning the hearts and minds of the decision makers there's there's, there's a and and the, the conclusion that we've come to is that we've got to be winning on all three of these fronts in order to win the rights to 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 do the deal yeah. you, you know so, so it is you know, it's it's very competitive. You know, there's a number of firms that have a similarity to us that are trying to do the same thing, and um, you know, we benefit, I think, from having a you know huge portfolio experience. You know, you know, we've been doing this for. 46 years uh, now as a firm. Uh, I've that, been, that
0: must make you one of, the, pretty much the oldest firm out there, isn't pre- the pre- UK, pretty like it? Pretty much. I
1: mean, there's, there's uh, you know, there's a few names that, that, I mean, obviously it's before my time, so yeah. so so, so oh, thankfully, but <laughs> uh, but uh, there's there's a few names, that, you know, 3i, Z packs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that, that were around then that are still uh, around in different countries just now. But in terms of the, the I mean, ECI has been very, um, Focused on this kind of UK mid market, you know, we've, we've that that's where we are today, and that's pretty much where we were at the beginning as well. You know, so, so there's there's been the the relevancy of our history to our mm. current and future is real, and uh, I think that for us is is one of the differentiators.
0: And so, you, and you've stayed there because you like it there. You no plans? The, there. the yeah.
1: UKs are fantastically entrepreneurial. We're we're all you know kind of. I I'm, in a, I'm Scottish, you know, so I quite like it. Yeah, the the uh, there's lots of entrepreneurs in the UK, but but also actually interestingly, I think over the over the duration of, of my career, I mean, one of the things that we've seen, which is which has changed, the thing is, 20 years ago, we were kind of looking to North America to to sort of see what they were doing, and and in in some ways, we were just not copying them, but but you know, there were there were certainly leading indicators that we could see from from the states that would would sort of percolate the way through into the UK economy and the UK kind of deal in private equity environments. I, I think that is substantially changed now. I mean, it's not, it's there's still elements that will come that way from them to us, but increasingly there's elements that are going from us to, to them as as well, you know, so. so, so you, you mean know,
0: in terms of like new business models, new, 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 business, technologies. new business
1: models and technologies. Yeah, most yeah. certainly, you know, and I mean, we, we've been invested in, you know, we, we are doing a lot of bolt-on activity from our UK portfolio or buying US businesses. You know, which is not something that we thought we'd really be doing, you know, 20 years ago. You know, and and if you look at the source of that, there are things like um you, you know both in in software and in, you know, say things like um, you know, compliance or something like that. You know, we we've just exited a, a business CPOMS, which was in um safeguarding for children in in schools. And you know, we've got the kind of world leading safeguarding in the UK. You know, that is a market which is safeguarding in the US means metal detectors when you enter a school, not mm-hmm. actually kind of incident management of pupils who are suffering issues at home or in school or anything like that, you know. And and and, and the reason why it's so well developed in the UK is, is because safeguarding is taken very seriously, you know, in order for a school to pass it's Ofsted. Uh, inspection, they need to be able to demonstrate that they are adequately managing safeguarding, and the CPOM software product does that, and that is only beginning to exist in certain states in in the US just now. So, so the, the 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 sort of in an increasing number of cases, the the kind of the development of businesses. Uh, is taking place in the UK and being exported to the, the US or indeed to, into continental Europe as well you know so, so I think we should be rightly proud mm. of the the environment and the economy that, that we live in and indeed the place that private equity plays in that economy as well you know so, so I think it is it, it is a it is a pretty it's a pretty good thing to do but there's nothing wrong with these guys that have gone bigger and you know sort of raising more money and, and uh, paying more carry and stuff like that, you know. So there's no, it's, I, I wouldn't. Uh, well, they're helpful to uh, you
0: because you know you get to exit to them, I guess. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's, I mean, again, it goes back to this sort of sophistication of the market yeah. and this idea that that actually there's that there's kind of a private equity solution for every, every situation, uh, give or yes. take. Let's say, you know, which uh, which perhaps wasn't the case <clears throat> twenty years ago.
0: Yeah it's interesting what you say about the UK market because so the governance the the safeguarding example is interesting because it's like um there's this kind of intellectual governance level thought leadership that happens in the UK and then you yeah. get the software layer on top of it yeah. because yeah. without the software layer it would be difficult to see how well how it how it would be Yeah um, yeah and at
1: least was a pen and paper uh, exercise prior to to or excel spreadsheets mm. you know and and um but similarly with with Forth I mean Forth was you know you know and back in the day, you'd go into Wagamama, and they had a whiteboard that says you're working Saturday and I'm working Sunday on it. And mm. uh, and actually, you can put that on a platform, and mm. we can swap shifts and see what we're doing, and what we're going to get paid at the end of the month, and order electronically and everything like that. You know, so it is. It is. Um, uh, you know the the innovation. Uh, from a technological perspective i think is is wonderful
0: now you told me about your background i'm tempted to assign all of your software successes to the fact that you're software, but that can't be true because no no.
1: no. no. <laughs> i think i think there is there i mean first of all the, the any knowledge that i have is 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 massively out of date um you know certainly you do from a uh, you, you maybe do think of businesses through a kind of Architectural lens or a data lens, which if you're an investment banker, you maybe don't. You think of it through a kind of financial lens primarily. You know, so, so you maybe are coming at things from a slightly different angle. Mm. But I think I think there's 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 it it, it helps me connect with management teams, mm. uh, rather than yeah. allows me to contribute to their, you yes. know, product roadmap. Let's yeah. say you know, so so so. so um, but even that is you know I've been I've been at UCNI for over twenty years, you know, so I'm a I'm a kind of private equity guy, yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. than a. I was I was gonna I say the people guys, in it is you know, so huge. That, and it is. I mean this yeah. sort of I mean, there's I was thinking about it on the and the way we were here about everything that's sort of changed in the industry, but but one thing which hasn't changed is, you know, kind of good people and good businesses. I mean, that's really you know, at its simplest level, what we're trying to do is is find, you know people that have got, you know, some innovation about them, some drive, uh, a vision and a passion and, um, you know, work with them to help make kind of good businesses, great businesses. I mean, it's, and that's not changed, you know, that's, that's, that's been a kind of ever constant within the industry and uh, at the root of it, that's where, that's where the bigger, better businesses come from and the, and the money's made ultimately.
0: You you alluded earlier to the importance of being attractive to decision makers and and the fact that a lot of those will be founders. What is your sell to management? What's the ECI? Um... Yeah,
1: I mean it's and it's 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 pretty nuanced, really. I suppose you know. If, I mean, if you look at the, the 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 there's some basic things you know, kind of do what you say you're going to do. You know, there is you know we've got a kind of show don't tell. You know, so we'll do a lot of work pre deal quite often. that will be around say something like. Uh, acquisitions or something like that. So we'll sit down with the teams and say, well, this is what this is what our thoughts are and share them and, and come to us, you know, so, to, to sort of demonstrate to these people what we're like to work with post-deal. Um, but a lot of it comes down to just the the direct experience that we have. You know, we've invested businesses just like theirs in the past or we've invested businesses that have achieved the things that they are trying to achieve in the past and the kind of stories that come from there and the, the relevancy of those stories, if they are high enough, that makes us attractive to, to to management teams, and then there is just the kind of you know to be a good partner, you, you know, to, to which which is is everyone in the industry obviously has got an ambition to to do that, but when you've got the track record that we have and you've got the you know hundreds of case studies that 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 management team can go and speak to the chief execs of the businesses that we've backed previously and what are we actually like to work with in practice and where did they really see the value adds, uh, you know that that helps in that you know so 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 i think there is um you know d- different people will have different things that are important to them so so it, it, we don't have a single solution which is the the kind of panacea to to, to that mm-hmm. but i think just the, the 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 kind of the combination of experience and kind of humility and and recognizing that it's you know we are kind of helping and supporting and facilitating other people doing great work uh, is is uh, is the core of it? From my layman's perspective, it looks like there
0: are some private equity firms out there that that are really software specialists, and they have a kind of a cookie cutter approach in a in a very narrow kind of niche, and just almost do the seem to do the same deal over and over. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be when I just looked at your portfolio, how, how you operate, you see, your your deals seem to have more variety yeah, to yeah, I think
1: and there are there are. And know you know, and and particularly if you if you go to the States, I mean there's there's one firm in particular that, that that is that is designed and built on a cookie cutter model. This is they have, in their views, worked out what the optimal way that a software business should be organized and then will look for opportunities to buy businesses that are not like that because they think they can they can make operational improvements in the business to 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 move it to that kind of standard operating model. The the you, you know we take a more bespoke approach. Um, you, you know there is there is all, and often I think within software in particular there is there's there's a kind of there's a kind of legacy involved in these things. There is a kind of architecture that they have. There's a platform that they use, and and say, uh, you know, you can't necessarily get it from A to B in short order, and also the 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 where BS kind of changes over time a little bit as well, you know. So so, but I think it is just down to 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 people really, and you you know, obviously, often it's not like the the technical part of a business often isn't the most important part. It is the the product, the service that they're delivering, the features and benefits of their offer to their customer community. That's the thing that we're really most focused on. Um, but but even in that, I mean, if you take something like um, product management, um, you know, the 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 I mean, that that, that is one area that, where the US is definitely in front of the UK. You know, they do have a much more product first view of the world, as opposed to in, in the in the US, they've got they, they kind of think but, about product more. They're the better structured product management right. and, and product roadmap. Whereas that we're that more focused the on the. technology itself Um, yeah perhaps you know and particularly in founder businesses they might have you know that they might have been technologists themselves and they kind of they set down a certain path and and product is is not managed independently of technology i see let's see so so we quite often see that in the in the portfolio but um you know it is it is you know you know we are often we're dealing with you know relatively small businesses, you know, so, so as I said, on average they're about 150 million EV, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10 million EV, but that, that sort of order on, on the way in. So there's still businesses that are relatively young, um, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years old. Um, they, they've, they've, they've got a lot of growing pains, uh, and, um, you, you know, often what we're helping businesses do is kind of just bring some experience to how we deal with growing pains, uh, um which is ever present really I suppose. And and presumably with- you have to do a lot of management succession given you're buying from founders. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean there is there is um and and it, it would be quite typical for us to do deals where the founders are still involved as managers. Um and quite often a transaction is is facilitating them to sort of de-risk their personal sort of uh, economics a bit you know take some cash off the table reinvest some cash in the business but also then work through some management succession you know to enable them to if they want to you know to to leave the business as a shareholder and as a manager when we come to exit you know so that will be a quite a common story uh, that we have with people and and uh, you know we've got lots of examples where that's worked well uh, and um and often as well there's there's there is a lot of supplementing the management team that goes on you know particularly if you're looking to do you know to double or triple the size of the business or to grow more aggressively through acquisitions quite often you've got you've got to beef up the senior team quite a bit you know so there is a lot of thought that goes into the people uh, within the portfolio companies and um you know at the same time you, you, you know, you, you, we're, we're backing. There's an incumbent team that have been really successful that has alerted us to the business that's made it of interest to us. So how do we kind of continue to get the best out of that incumbent team but supplement them to to really kind of push the business forward?
0: Yeah. There's lots of exciting things to say about your portfolio, but I'm going to pick out the probably the most yeah. mundane thing you yeah. can say about it, which is that I noticed that they all seem to be in kind of like Commuter belt towns around the end, like, like New Malden is quite close to where I live, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know Watford, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're all in industrial. So you, you're in central London's ECI, yeah. but actually to do your to do the real business, you go out to these. Yeah, absolutely, businesses.
1: and 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 just you know we we've got an office in in Manchester we have had for twenty five years. I was I was based in Manchester for ten years that we beginning in my career. We've opened an office last year in New York to help our portfolio in the UK expand into North America. Um, but a but a business like Sea um, Poms, I mentioned earlier was in Skipton in North Yorkshire, you know. So so we are uh, sadly we don't do many deals in Scotland. i try. I've tried uh, for a long time to, to rectify that. But uh, but um, you know we, we go to where the businesses are, you know. And um, and and you know going back to the sort of strength and depth within the UK economy and that entrepreneurship that that exists throughout the country, you know that is not a southeastern phenomena. Mm. Um, um, you know so, so we've we've invested and late rooms obviously was based in manchester you know it's
0: uh, oh yeah of course yeah. yeah yeah so you got an office you, you eci has an office in america to help your businesses launch over yeah there. Yeah. So, yeah so
1: so, so uh, you know it's it's been uh you, you know although we are a, a kind of uk fund and ostensibly we're investing in businesses that are headquartered or founded in the uk about 40% of the portfolio revenues are overseas. Mm-hmm. And um, and indeed, um, we've got a couple of businesses recently that have effectively transitioned their headquarters from the UK to the States during our kind of ownership period. And they're now almost, you know, they would be thought of really as North American businesses rather than UK businesses, I think um you know with the chief exec based there and, and um and so quite often you know we we are looking to get exposure to you, number one thing we want these niche markets with strong sustainable growth, growth drivers that's the kind of number one component of the investment strategy and so we we find a business uh that, that's that's in that market um the market leader in a niche market um the the, the, there's lots of good things about that, but one of the bad things about that is that your your total addressable market is capped if you're a UK only provider. You know, so so a very very common theme within the portfolio is how do we start or continue to expand the international footprint of the of the business? And um, you know, whilst we've done a lot in China, we've done a lot in Europe. Uh, you know, North America is you know history shown us that North America is where. The types of portfolio companies we're investing in are primarily looking at and uh, you know so we 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 were just sort of spending a lot of time they were doing a lot of acquisition bolt-on acquisitions in north america and uh, you know thought it would be sort of prudent to put some feet in the ground there and um you know really try to sort of add a bit of more room f- to to that expansion and so um, do you have
0: any examples of portfolio companies that have taken this concept their concept to America and and have, and have thrived in that incredibly yeah, presumably. Uh, Well,
1: forth is a good example of that it was probably one of the first ones yeah. that, that really worked you know we we did you, you know one of the one of the sort of challenges I suppose is is that you know we're investing in businesses that are growing quickly. Yeah. and um it's it's actually quite difficult to pull that off on an organic only basis mm. so, so 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 you know if you're growing at 25 30 percent in the UK and you start a nascent organic uh, but, you know to, to, in order for that, that long, in order yeah. for that to be 25 30 40 percent of of the total revenues in four or five years time when we exit you've got to really you've got to really go some organically in that so, so, so typically there would be a kind of a a dual uh, uh, sort of process whereby we we are looking at acquisitions and in internationally specifically in this instance in North America. And, uh, but also we've got a kind of organic go-to-market plan as well. And we did that with, you know, going back into in, the days with Forth, you know, we bought a business article in Connecticut, um, which, you know, which had proper traction in the, in the kind of hotels market in, in, in North America. And then we brought some of Forth's products in. We could kind of bolt onto the kind of inventory product. We could bring our people products in there and uh, cross sold that very effectively. So by the time we exited the business, it was clear we were going to. It was a. It was going to be a US buyer, and the, the the next big chapter of the business was going to be US expansion. You know, so so when that's, uh, lo well and behold, what happened. But there's lots. Of, I mean, there's 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 a plethora of examples of, of that kind of international expansion. Sure.
0: What's it like being a managing? I think you're a co-managing partner of a, of a UK mid-market firm these yeah. days. What are the what are the kind of the pressures that well, you never <laughs> expected to you'd have to deal with? Didn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. I so, well, first I just just with these four managing partners uh, right. at ECI, you know, we've got our, uh, you know, we out for better or for worse. We're a business managed by committee, uh, and um, and uh, it works for us. You know, it's I I suppose you know if you look if you look recently I mean two, two years ago uh, COVID came uh, in a big way uh, to the UK you know yeah. the global financial crisis didn't feel that long ago you know mm-hmm. and I suppose it's kind of like this is another you know and, and even at the very beginning you knew, you knew everyone knew at the very beginning that this was going to this was going to be substantial and this could really impact um, you know our portfolio and stuff like that you know you know you know so so, so I think you know, we certainly reflected very carefully on the lessons that we learned from the financial crisis. We um, took the view that we would, we would, you know, that, that we would get the portfolio together on a really regular basis, with the help and support that they required from us, from uh, the advisory community, uh, and uh, make sure that we were doing all the right things with the portfolio and communicating properly with them. Uh, and so and so that was a that was definitely a you know a a pretty challenge a fast-paced and quite challenging kind of you know how do we make sure that we come out of this as best as we possibly can because at the beginning it really wasn't clear and you know thankfully we, we didn't have any specific exposure to things that were in the absolute front line here you know and and Thank goodness, you know, we, we we exited something like Encore Tickets that sold theatre tickets in the West End in February 2020, you know. So, so that's a business which was going to clearly be, you know, in the absolute front line of of, of COVID. Um, and, you know, there was lots of people that had deals on international travel. And, you know, we, at that moment in time, just a travel chapter, UK domestic, you know, sort of digital platform that, that manages holiday cottages. So, so we were, we, we felt... We are less exposed to the front line of direct impact of, of COVID, but we knew from the financial crisis that you know we 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 sort of went through there could be liquidity issues that come through you know you know there was it was really unclear how the um, you know pre the you know the, the government made phenomenal amount of support to, to to businesses which thankfully we didn't have to rely on t- too much. The community rallied together during COVID in a way that perhaps it didn't rally together in the financial crisis, you know, so, so the investment the, community, the, the, the investment advisory. community, you know, so, 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 the, I mean, in particular there, I think with the response from the banks and the, the debt funds was, was excellent. You know, it was a, a really mature, there wasn't any debt reaction. You know, there was, there was a, um, people were were wanting to find solutions to any problems that arose rather than were looking to mm-hmm. sort of manufacture uh, situations which, which uh, was a, a very welcome uh, thing and I think it's, it's meant the, com- the community it, it feels a kind of a nicer place to work now mm. I think as as, as mm. that kind of coming together of people so I think I think Covid was probably was pretty challenging you know from a sort of running a business perspective you know we obviously had to go through what everyone had to go through of how do we can we do this kind of remotely and, and uh, you know we're, we're very thankful we'd, we'd invested a lot of time and money into moving all of our systems into the cloud and stuff like that so from a kind of technological perspective um you know we could we could make that transition uh reasonably seamlessly you know probably within a week we were we were kind of issue free from a kind of tech technological perspective um and then there was can we actually do deals in this kind of environment we're not getting to spend time with each other you know and and uh I think it was in July 2020 that we invested in, in CSL, which was our biggest ever deal, a bilateral deal. That's um, at £250 million, you know, so that was uh, which we pulled off, you know, in lockdown. And uh, that felt like, my word, we can actually still do this. Uh, and then thankfully, I mean, if our own performance, is or the portfolio performance rather has been, has been exceptional, but actually the industry's performance has been exceptional. You know, I mean it really is as an industry, <clears throat> I'll say sort of technology with a big T. I mean, that's that that the bulk of the industry is is invested in technology with a big T, you know, technical business services or technical consumer, as well as proper tech businesses. And um, you know, they by and large have done extremely well. Um somewhat unbelievably pricing has gone up. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, history shows us that, that will change. Uh, but uh, but it's if a global pandemic uh, hasn't seemed to burst that bubble we've yet, to see if the sort of Russia Ukraine situation uh, turns into something which bursts that bubble, that might happen. But there is just this way of money. I mean, I, you know, the big global investors have worked out private equity is a is a great asset class to be invested in. <clears throat> the returns continue to be very strong relative to other asset classes, and yeah, whilst there is. It's an illiquid asset class, the sort of premium that you get for that is, is overachieved from the returns, you know, so, 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 so uh, you know, there's still this phenomenon where <clears throat> the, the more and more money going gone in to, to private equity, I think it's only about 2% of public markets, you know, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot to go. Uh, yeah, and you know, also, I think the other side of that equation, I think, I think, kind of owners and managers have, you know, going back to this sort of sophistication and the kind of layering of, of you know, size of deals and and t- types of situations, managers have also worked out that um, of managers of portfolio companies yeah. or of companies or owners of companies, have also worked out that that private equity can be a long term solution. You know, so there's this kind of there's more money coming in. There's also a kind of increasing acceptance of private equity as a sort of ownership model or co-ownership model, and um, you, you know it does feel as if there's 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 a lot of open road uh, in front of us collectively.
0: It's a very nice picture you paint because you know the the the, cl- the classic um, criticisms of private equity one is that although well, short-termist, and everyone's doing everything they can to be longer-term. Than the limited partnership structure yeah. can allow you yeah. can allow you to
1: yeah. be. I mean, I'm delighted, I and mean, I've spent the bulk of my career uh, in this industry, and you know, it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it, and um, you know, it's it's been it's been great for me. You know, so, so uh, you know, my sons are are just at university just now. I'm not pointing them directly at, at this uh, workplace, but uh, but um, you know, certainly just sharing, you know. Thinking about, about a career in in the eyes of younger people, you know, I think it's a, it's a great it's a great industry to join, both in private equity directly and the kind of the community that that sits around, um, you know, private companies and transactions. I think is is excellent.
0: There's that view that oh, um, the more money that goes into it, well, the more returns will come down. But actually, that's kind of zero. it's a zero. Some way of looking at it. Yeah,
1: it? I also think that's that is um, that's. Actually incorrect as well. I mean, there's enough history that you can look back and see actually what's happened. And and you know, I don't have data in front of me just now to quote to you, but but certainly, kind of anecdotally, large cap buyouts have provided very high and very stable returns for a long, long period of time. You know, they've been outclassed just now by venture, but venture has been much more volatile going back. But venture returns just now are superb, and uh, you know, the mid market returns have probably have probably um, been slightly below large cap over long periods of time. You know, very strong and very consistent, but slightly below. So so I think the, the kind of more money equals more competition equals lower returns. I don't think that equation stacks up. I think it is, um, you, you know, just the, the sticking to the, you know, finding great businesses with great management teams and then providing them with all the tools and support to achieve as much as they possibly can that that model just seems to work you know and and you know maybe inappropriate to say in perpetuity but certainly there's no there's no end there's no end in sight yes yeah uh, so so we'll see what happens
0: brilliant well david it's great catching up with you thanks very much yeah. for uh, sharing all your thoughts super thank you very much indeed for you've been listening to the fund shack podcast make sure you subscribe and visit our website at fund-shack.com for many more video interviews. It's the private capital channel for alternative investment professionals. Thanks for listening.